0: are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at HelpForHD.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3,
1: 2, Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This podcast is made possible by uh, an education grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guest is Greg Smiley with the Adira Foundation. Uh, Greg brings more than 20 years' experience in both U.S. domestic and global public health policy and management. Career highlights begin with managing the U.S. Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS at President Clinton's White House Office of National AIDS Policy and shepherding the council into former President George W. Bush's first year. He later inaugurated government affairs programs for two national health nonprofits before joining the United Nations Joint Program on HIV and AIDS in 2008 with duty station in Washington, D.C., South Africa, and Switzerland. In 2017, he separated from the U.N. to return to the U.S. to lead nonprofit work and launch Adira Foundation in 2019. Greg leads Adira from both professional but also personal experience with complex needs. Living in Johannesburg in 2013, he sustained multiple traumatic injuries to his face and mouth, in a high-speed cycling accident on a nearby mountain road, in the wake of twelve surgeries and multiple complications, he has lived the challenges of health navigation, isolation, and understands the urgency for new approaches to supplement current good work. Greg, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you on. Thanks, Lauren. I'm actually quite flattered myself that
2: you asked. <laughs> I'm quite happy to be here.
1: And um one of the things um Well, I just want to share because everybody knows Cheryl in the Huntington's community. So, Adira Foundation actually has amazing board directors. One of their board members happens to be Cheryl Sullivan, which most everybody knows who she is um, in the Huntington's community. So, I I was very excited to read about Adira Foundation and all that you're doing. And we're just going to kind of delve into um, what – Adira is, and where you guys are wanting to go with it, and how you're helping with neurodegenerative diseases. So let's start with what is Adira.
2: Yeah, Adira is a new public, 501c3 tax exempt foundation. Um, We have an office in Richmond and an office in Washington D.C. Um, I think these days with COVID, the word office is a little bit, uh, you know. Um, more virtual, but um, uh, it's a foundation that's looking to um, tackle five of the worst uh, diseases at once, Um, because people with complex health diseases have far more often things in common than they have apart, and uh, the world is just too isolating and scary as it is, and the fact that these diseases can further push people into the corners um, is... It's it's a a big problem, and it's a growing problem. We need to figure out how we can do it. And uh, here is uh, working on assembling five diseases at once: Um, Huntington's disease, uh, MS, uh, Parkinson's disease, ALS, and Alzheimer's and related dementias. Um, uh, Together, that uh, in the U.S. that's that comprises about uh, eight eight and a half million people. we wanted to figure out what is the right size that we can um, have effect on, on systems and uh, large populations at the same time help individual people. Um, I don't know if these, right, these five are the right five to pull together. Um, we'll go with this until we move forward, but it's a sense of uh, seeing how we can help people in, in large uh, chunks at the time about um, uh, making people fend for themselves constantly in their individual categories and silos. That's
1: um, very exciting. And I think that, yeah, absolutely bringing those five diseases together is going to be amazing. Um, I actually just did a show on Rare Disease Day and the whole point of, of collaborating with other rare diseases in order to make things happen. So um, this is just a aspect of that, and um, very, very exciting. So, what is Adira's mission?
2: Yeah, the mission is uh, simply to invest in better lives for people dealing with neurodegenerative diseases. It's that sense that, uh, and and I say dealing with, because it's not just the individual living with with the condition, but their family, friends, uh, loved ones, uh, caregivers, care partners—however how you like to define that—these are the people that are most impacted by these uh, conditions, and, and that's who we're looking to help. Uh, I mean, again, I think that the it, this is a means to a larger end to see if we can if we can figure out ways that we can help people with some of the most complex conditions out there that. We can learn to help all of us eventually. Right. Um, let's let's start here and stop trying to work picking apart and, and having HD work on stuff by themselves and Parkinson's by themselves. But let's try to build something a little bit larger, um, and and that's that's what we're looking to do. Um, the name Adira is uh, um, a Hebrew name meaning strong, brave, or, or noble, and I think what we were trying to do is to not pull something together that we could wrap our arms around, but rather pull something together large enough so that we couldn't wrap our arms around it. That we had to work together. We had to find a whole community to join to work on this because it was too difficult to do alone. And look, we know that it's a bit aspirational, ambitious, but. Why the heck not? You know, it needs to be done. So this is where we're
1: starting. Absolutely. Um, One of the things on your website, uh, you have a letter on there, and it says, we want to be brave enough to take on the hard stuff. We're focusing first on patients, their families, and caregivers affected by five neurodegenerative diseases. They are some of the most complicated, challenging, and expensive diagnoses. And I really wanted to highlight that, especially um, as I was a caregiver for my dad, who recently passed. And um, (laughs) so true, just dealing with how complicated everything is to navigate and expensive. So expensive, and trying to find help is just um, absolutely crazy Um, and exhausting and heartbreaking. So um, I, I love, I love what your letter said. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, and I just had to point that out.
2: Oh, I got I to chill.
1: So um, yeah. let me go on before I start crying, because seriously, it's just, it just was so good for, that was such a huge thing for me. But um, so what will, what are your plans on, um, on what Adira is going to do?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you you said that there's so many different things to navigate, and I think that's what we're trying to, to solve is to say, look, there's so many things that can pulverize you like a rock being ground into little pebbles because there's so many things to navigate. But in the end, they, they divide us even further and sort of dissect us a bit. Um, in some ways, it's around money. You know, how am I going to pay for this? In some ways, it's like time and energy. How am I going to try to figure out how to apply for disability? I don't oh, even know gosh. where to start. <laughs> the idea of like, all right, well, I've got this one great program over here that might be able to help me with um, nutrition and uh, food, food assistance and this other program that will be able to help me with transportation but, you know, like you said, it just sort of freezes you in your tracks because a lot of this is well-intentioned and great stuff. But if I have 15, 18 different things going on, I can't find 15, 18 programs. And they're all designed with good intentions, but it just further divides you into being to the point where you can't even talk about it because people won't even understand what you're going through because it's too, it's too complicated. And then you retreat even further because you don't want to talk about it because it would take too long to get someone to, to get where you are. So you need to just retreat even further, and that's not right. You just need to figure out ways to do it. And so to answer your question, how we're approaching it is saying, okay, can we convene people? It's sort of like that UN experience. Can we assemble, say, 100 people? People in a room, and get the full universe of stakeholders um, at the table to help discuss. Whether it's a sprinkling of people from the U.S. government or state governments, from the life sciences industry, from the private um, payers, the hospitals, the docs, but also some of the um, other donors, people that are service providers, and then get of that hundred people in that room, fifty-one of them being patients, and caregivers. So allowing this slight majority voice, assembled voice, to say, look, we've got great programs, but I've got 18 needs. Your needs help me figure out one through six quite well, but it's number 12 on the list that I need help with. Or you don't even have number 21 on there. You need to put that on there. And it's those things that are too large for any one group to own. Quite often it's things like caregiving or care coordination or navigation or you know, long-term care or long-term financing, these things that are cross-cutting and they're just too large for any one nonprofit to sort of take on. But if we can try to allow people to identify and name those top three or four things that no one else is doing, because it's too big, and it's here to fund those things. So that's what we did in our first two rounds of funding is we convened stakeholders and said what's breaking your back right now that no one else is doing and that's that's what we're doing we did for round two and that's what we'll do for round three is trying to take on those issues whether it's caregiver and mental health or um, uh, uh, you know what we did with um, uh, navigation and care coordination in these round two grants or even if it's trying to bring people more into, conferences or things that they don't have to find six different conferences in any one setting they feel like they've been connected. Like, how can we do that better? So some of it is really undefined because we really want people most impacted to set what our priorities are. And if they lead what those are, then we can go where they say. That's
1: awesome. Um, and you actually just mentioned – so a round of funding, which is, you know, obviously a big part of the foundation is is funding these um, these programs. And um, so the first round I think focused, it, focused on COVID, right, and providing some help through COVID. Um, especially, so I know that funds were given to HD Reach, which is located in North Carolina, and I um, – Happen to love them. Uh, Mary Edmondson is absolutely amazing, <laughs> um, and the HDSA as well has received funds. And I think it was to make their programs for both of them. It was to make their programs virtual during COVID, um, so people had access to what they need. And the HD Reach program in particular, I'm just so happy about. Um, just, they're such a great organization here in North Carolina and helping people. So. Um, very excited about that. And then your round two um, was 12 different. It was 12 different organizations, right? Or no, we had, it was
2: we had 12 in round one and five in round five two. in
1: round two. Um, but you were looking at um, gosh, there was a bunch in there that I was reading about. Um, so what was the round two, and, and what are you looking for? Is it going? Is round three going to be similar to that?
2: Yeah, so we recognize that these dollar figures aren't where we want to be, but hopefully we'll get there in in out years to have that real impact. But what we did in round one was we said, all right, that's right when Adir was launching our programs that we were debuting to the world, was right when COVID hit. And we had larger plans for a different branch program, but like everyone else, we said, we got to scramble together and help People right now, they've got to pivot to, to COVID like we do. So we granted um, 12 awards around the country um, with $10,000 to pivot quickly to COVID, whether it's getting different computers, going virtual with different uh, programs, as you said, uh, different um, exercise classes for this group in Parkinson's um, in Oregon, doing different things online. So we Assembled, We were able to give money to these 12 nonprofits around the country that are sort of one or two steps removed from each other, right? So it's a Parkinson's group in Oregon and an Alzheimer's group in in Houston and an ALS group in Northern Virginia and neuropalliative care group in Denver. And it's saying, okay, you're once or twice removed from each other, but your, your issues are likely the same. So we convened them in July and said, okay, what should we do for round two? What You all have similar experiences. What are those things that no one has the money to fund you for? And they set the priorities for round two, which was the caregiver, emotional health, is sharing of resources within any one committee and the navigation care thing. And what we're hoping to do is not only assemble the round one and round two grantees, but continue to have these, discussions throughout the year where assembling this larger movement, this larger network of individuals to say participate in an upcoming convening to say what we should be doing for round three. Um, Our our hope is that we can make that assembling of 100 stakeholders real. So hosting what we're calling an ND Congress um, for this summer or later this year where we can get people together and and identify those backbreaking problems that no one's dealing with. We will fund that for round three. And so the idea is to at least do 500,000 of grants in round three and to let it snowball so that we are growing with each round.
1: I'm curious actually to hear what other um, neurodegenerative diseases say um, are their biggest issues. Uh, You know, personally for us, Because of COVID, and the um, dad was in advanced stages, Huntington's, and um, had other health conditions too, but we didn't want to put him into a a long-term care facility because we weren't going to be able to see him. So we took care of him at home. And what we found was, you know, the the medical equipment that insurance will pay for is not adequate enough for, like the hospital bed, not adequate enough for a Huntington's patient. Um, than trying to find like an ICU body hospital bed to be able to take care of somebody at home. Having the Hoyer lift, thank God they did cover that, but having those types of durable medical equipment and then having somebody who can come in and help because during COVID, what we ran into in North Carolina was all of the um, home health agencies were so overwhelmed that they didn't even have a nurse that they could send out to us. So we were taking care of my dad basically by ourselves. Um, And so that's what we struggled with during COVID was just not being able to get the help. And like you said, there's 18 different things that we need help with. And you get so overwhelmed with it that you literally at some point just stop because you're like, nobody's going to help me. So why am I even putting all this energy into something that I'm not getting any help on? Because Medicaid fights you, Medicare fights you, Um, you go through a hospitalization, the social workers can't help you because they don't have enough resources. It's just unbelievable trying to get stuff done. So I am very interested to hear um, as you get those people together, if they're dealing with the same problems, I would assume so, Um, you know, and and getting things for in-home care if that's what they're wanting to do.
2: Yeah, first of all, we didn't even acknowledge it, but I'm really sorry you lost your dad. That really, that really sucks.
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: That, that stinks. I'm really sorry, endured. I'm sure that he was quite. Uh, it was sort of a gift that you were able to you know, help over the last year plus, of course. Um, but you know, I'm really sorry about
1: that. Thank you. He was. He was an amazing man, um, and he was my world. Uh, So I talk about him a lot just because he he was everything for me and um, planned a day in his life. Just went along with everything and did what he needed to do and was so positive. And um, he's just really an inspiration. So, um, yes, he is greatly missed. But I will definitely enjoy, um, you know, finding out because neurodegenerative diseases, especially the ones that are that you guys are um, putting together, are very similar. And so I would assume that they are dealing with some of the same issues.
2: Yeah, I I mean, we don't want to speak for the whole community; it's not really fair. But but yeah, the general senses people are experiencing the same common problems, and some of them are circumstantial to dealing with these very complex conditions. Some of them are just the fact that, you know, life these days is becoming increasingly complicated and, you know, tough, isolating. I think that, um, you know, I, I feel like that people see, uh, see envision these worlds when they design these programs that they like these perfect little people that are going through life and then boom, this one problem befalls them and, and they say, okay, we need to set up a program that lifts that person back up and makes them pull, and then they can boom, 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 walk through a perfect life again, and it's, it's like, no. <laughs>
0: it doesn't <laughs> people, work that way.
2: People are already dealing with, like, uh, yeah, no, I'm dealing with this mental health disease my whole life, or I'm, you know, got both kids in college and parents that are aging. Um, you know, I've already had a very complicated life before this diagnosis comes in. It's not like this is the only factor that I'm dealing with, and and I think that what we're hoping to say is if we can assemble these voices, not not just voices from um, individuals, but then the collective voices, okay. and to say that people aren't all just yeah, you can't really help if there's eight and a half million people, you can't treat eight and a half million people differently, but you also can't treat them like they're one population either. They're not eight and a half. They're not one either, right? So it's it's trying to find a way that you can allow for the distinct individual experiences that people have that, that change over time too, right? So what people need six months from now is not what they're going to need five years from now not what they needed last month. So how do we set up this membrane, this, this ongoing conversation with as many people dealing with these conditions as possible to allow for the, the – collective weight, the crowdsourcing of, of the issues to take hold and let that steer the conversation. Still so try not to let go of what the individual experience is like, but also not try to lump people into one, one size fits all either. So, you know, don't know exactly how we do that, but I think we can at least try.
1: Well, um, I, I think the amazing thing about what you said too just now was uh, basically that you need it to be fluid, right? Somebody, what they're going through now, it's not going to be the same in in six months to a year. Uh, it, I mean, look at look at our society. What happened? We had we had a pandemic and everything changed <laughs> in like a few weeks. Exactly. Um, so that is such a good point because I think, like you said, things are set up where um, everything's expected to to remain at this one point, and it's never like that. And um, that is where I think you're going to be so successful because you are willing to have those hard conversations about how to make it fluid. Um, You know, I don't think it's going to be easy. I I think that you are definitely going to take on a huge challenge, but I think it's going to be an amazing challenge and something that's going to be absolutely wonderful in the end.
2: Well, the only way it can be wonderful and really get there is if we allow for different, all kinds of expertise to inform it, right? So I don't have some magic wisdom to know how to do it. It's it's being quite humble and open to saying, okay, help us assemble this and bridge it. Um, You know, what's the best way to make things fair? What's the best way to make things accountable? How can we be as objective as possible? Um, those elements take time they take care and precision and we'll have to continually evolve that and, and build it I think but I think if we act in good faith and continue to actively pursue the full universe of voices and perspective points of view we can continue to improve it and, and continue to be on the positive side of the ledger
1: and not, not, a, not a hindrance so how would people be able to help you? Like, how could they, is it sharing their story? Is it like, how would they get involved and be able to help you more?
2: Yeah, uh, we've got um, a couple of ways to approach this. I think some of the um, things that we have on our website, it's hard to just shuttle people off to a website because I feel like that's kind of the problem of what we're already doing naturally. <laughs> right. So um for now, it's asking people to go to our website at jaredfoundation.org and, and talk about, um, uh, to talk about uh, how they can get involved and, and submit their information. We're creating um, a sounding board, like a board of directors, but really, it's it's a way that people can continue to inform. Hey, this is what's going on with me um, uh, in, this, in this larger communication membrane. Um, we are trying to collect stories. We've got a project with. With StoryCorps, um but other forms of, through Memory Fox of, of having these one on one oral histories in a way so that people can share their distinct points of view and histories. Um, if people write to us at info at we can share more about that info at org. Um, but it is asking if you would um, agree to come to a future convening, participate perhaps in this Congress to share that story in however form you'd like to, and and to offer us ideas on things that you would see more of or done in a particular way, right? So, um, you know, we have to ensure that the point of view of people going through these systems is constantly taken into account because we could use terms that are outdated or just too jargony and we constantly have to say okay if, if I'm going through this I need to make this as, as smooth as, as possible. It's, it's giving people more time, more more money, more energy, more confidence and more you know fellowship maybe that's a corny word but keeping people out of isolation and, and, and better connected with one another and hopefully through our website um, through emailing that email address and if you if you want, you can email me as well, Smiley at AdiraFoundation.org, and allow us to open up an open-up conversation.
1: And I will be sharing that information on the show page, um, so you'll be able to find Adira Foundation um, through our show page. Um, and uh, I also wanted to bring up, like, your website has, what I was reading about one of the projects is like a virtual care hub which I thought was really interesting. And then the network mapping. I thought those two things were just really cool to read about. Um, and all of that information is, are, is on the website too.
2: Yeah, if you'd like, I can briefly talk about each of those. Yeah. I mean, the, the care platform we're doing with the National Alliance on Caregiving, but it's trying to create this Wikipedia library of caregiving resources that is by and for people care, um, and people can uh, contribute different tips or resources to that. It hasn't fully launched yet. We've got a test site going, but it's, it's meant to be um, something from the point of view, the perspective of people that, that need help. That doesn't really exist right, right now, a, a one-stop place for caregiving um, resources. Um, and then the network mapping. Again, it's trying to say there's in each one of these five disease states, for example, it's sort of like it is of a starfish. They each Each disease state has tentacles with a lot of different services for those individual discrete diagnoses. but there's fewer things that are closer to the center of the starfish that sort of help all people that cross, cut across. And we're trying to find, identify, and build up those, kinds of nonprofit services that, that really cut across and to give their, a bit more anchoring and sustenance to those individual disease communities that need that individual tailored care. I mean, not like that, but some of that. And if we're testing different versions of the snapping design that allows people to get that birth of all these different things that people could potentially... Identified, but doing it in a way that's that's intuitive and easy, and not making people all of a sudden be Indiana Jones and finding map and the map in the past because no one knows how to do
1: that except for very <laughs> small group of people. So. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I mean, I, was... <laughs> I literally became that like that person having to research where all of that stuff was. I don't even want to know how many hours I have. Spent figuring out, um, caregiver resources, like it, it's a ridiculous amount of hours. Um, so I am, (laughs) I'm that person who would get on there and try to search. So I'm telling you, that's going to be amazing for caregivers to have a place to go. And it's just easy to navigate because right now it's not, it's not easy at all. Yeah.
2: Well, even if you just email me that, that
1: experience and say, look,
2: caregiving was,
1: you know, near impossible.
2: This is what I learned, or this is what happened to me. I mean, that that kind of stuff, you know, does take a long time to assemble and pull together, of course. There's a lot of people, but you know what? It's a long runway, and we have to do it by being honest and, and, and asking everyone for those individual perspectives. So if you would, just... Yeah, of
1: you know, course. You know, I mean, I'll even send you resources there. I found, so... Great. You know, because I found one really good website that gave... broke everything down by state which was huge because you know medicaid is very different in each state and even in each county um and so like i had to move my dad from one county to another just to get um any type of care so it's just crazy but had i not found that website when i was searching for stuff i would have never known how different each place is and what i could do and you know what what funding each place has like I had no clue. So it was a very helpful website, but it took me forever to find it. So I will definitely share that information with you or whatever else I have because, like I said, as a caregiver, I've definitely spent a ton of time searching for stuff. Um, so, yeah. So do you have any final thoughts for us? Anything in particular that you would want to tell the Huntington's community um, that maybe would help you, would help them? Um, Huntington's organizations, like reaching out and, and just how to collaborate. Um, researchers, because we have this podcast, we have all of it, right? We have the researchers, we have global. So we have it all. Um, how how, what would you want to say to them?
2: Yeah, I would, I would say, look, please be, um, as long as you're willing really and able, to be open and, and share um, your ideas, suggestions, um, pet peeves, uh, what are those things that, my gosh, I, I, I hate it when people always assume this about me, and please help us put that to bed, Um it, bring those suggestions to us so we can learn to figure out a way to stitch all of them together. Um, I mean, the Huntington's disease community has always been a bit of a beacon and a light um, because there is such a great interplay between the providers, the donors, and the people living with these experiences that that the researchers, I've never seen such passionate researchers. As I have with the Huntington's disease community, I mean, people, um, are invested and recognize the uh, you know the, the worthiness of to continuing to pursue this with with real authority and urgency and you know how do we bottle that that sense of community that HD has and and bring it into a, a larger larger family of, of diseases um, you, you know your ideas and points of view is, is again that's the only way to, to move forward us That's that's where the leadership has to come is from from, from individuals, not from some sort of larger, um, you know, uh, someone trying to pretend to be the expert and, you know, know, no expert and just trying to corral all this into a larger platform for a more facilitated, catalytic impact.
1: You're going to do a great job, I know. And uh, it's certainly appreciated. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me and um, sharing all this information. Again, everything's going to be on the show page um, for you to be able to access. I'll include the email addresses as well in case you would like to submit your stories or connect in some way and help the Adira Foundation. Um, grow and do what they are going to do and collaborate and um, just make uh, this community, the neurodegenerative community better um, with having a resource uh, that makes it easier for us. Um, so thank you again, Greg, um, just so much for everything.
2: Hey, listen, the, like I said, the honor is, I'm, I'm grateful that you reached out and I'm so thankful that you
1: do what you do and let us know what we can do moving forward. Absolutely. Tell Cheryl I said hello. (laughs) I will. (laughs) And um, you guys make sure to tune in as we um, will be talking about um, HD events that are coming up that are virtual such as the HDSA convention, the HDO um, event that will be coming up. Help for HD has a hype event coming up. And um, HD Reach has an event coming up. So we'll be going into those, and, and those are all virtual this year. So everybody make sure to listen in for those. And uh, as we discuss that in our next podcast, until then, I hope everybody takes care and have a great week. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks.